right, Jen Cooper, the keeper here, ready for the next episode of the Mix Zone Women's Soccer Podcast, sponsored by IcarusFC.com. This is episode number 291, and I have another sync stat. Uh, Christine Sinclair, she scored the 291st goal in women's Olympic soccer history back in 2016 when she netted the second goal of Canada's 2-0 win over Australia in the group stage. A total of 353 goals have been scored in the six women's Olympic soccer tournaments. All right, so one big chat today spread into two parts uh, with my friend Dan Laletta from Equalizer Soccer. Almost all of our chat is about, of course, the upcoming NWSL Challenge Cup, since now we know the schedule and the first round matchups. And in between the two chats is my gensplaining segment. This week, I go over the assumed tiebreakers for NWSL standings for the tournament. Um, We don't have the official tiebreakers released yet, but I just wanted to explain how the tiebreaker process works. And of course, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at MixZone, that's two X's in MixZone, and also at KeeperNotes. Jen Cooper, the keeper here with Dan Laletta from Equalizer Soccer. Um, I have I have Dan on. We're going to do two chats today uh, because Dan and I, you and I just can't stop talking sometimes. So I figured, yeah. you know, why just do one chat? Let's do two, right? Exactly. <laughs> if only we had been recording the chat we had before we started recording. Now, that would be some podcast. Well, and how do you know I wasn't recording that, you know? Well, I there, there will be the, you there might will have be been the secret... And- <laughs> There'll be the secret but, underground uh, mix zone podcast but, later. But right before you started actually recording, the little voice came on and said, "This chat is being recorded." So that's how I know you weren't <laughs> recording. Maybe you were recording on some other ma- method, but it actually told me you were starting to record. Yeah, and if we sound a little loopy, we are a little loopy because yeah, it's been a, little. a very strange uh, women's soccer pseudo season capped off with, I would say, the most intense week uh, that many of us have experienced in a long time. Um, So I want to talk a little bit about that before we get into the actual soccer talk, because I I feel like, Dan, that the way the clubs and the league are responding is different than than we've seen in the past, Um, that they they seem to be embracing quicker, you know, messages of, you know, let's stop the racism and we support these protests. And it just, it seems so different from say fall 2016, uh, where you had Rapino taking a knee and it seemed like something that for the most part, for the most part was avoided. I was going to say, if you're going to juxtapose that against the 2016 spirit, it couldn't be more different. You know, I think at this point, uh, more people have time to kind of sit back and think about things. And, you know, there are benefits to having now been mostly home for a dozen weeks and who knows how many more. And I think that's probably one of the benefits, at least for me, is being able to take a step back and kind of realize what things are important and when, what things are a little bit less important. And, you know, I, it, you know, I, you know, we say all the time, you know, this feels like a tipping point, tipping point, tipping point, And I don't know what's going to happen going forward, but you know, this one does feel a little bit different than other, other incidents that, that we've lived through. 
over the years. And, you know, I've been waiting for weeks, you know, to get the news cycle off of coronavirus, but this wasn't really what I had in mind uh, for that pivot, which has been, by the way, complete and total. Like if you just swooped into Earth in the last four days, you would not realize we were in a uh, health crisis at all. And I also I've been thinking this week that the lack of live sports in the U.S. at the moment really amplifies the message as well. Right. Because you're not having on the news. They're talking about demonstrations and then go, oh, and then, you know, an NBA action. This happened. It's like, no, it's 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 this right like right and at the same time you're not like you're less likely to i mean maybe it's, it's, like, it's like it's the, it's the perfect storm right and right. you're less likely to be watching the news and turn the news yeah. off and, and say let me put the game on because right there's no live right. sports to watch and, so, so much more focus on it you know when you look at the size of the protests and at least in part, I would imagine that's because, A, people are looking for any excuse to get out and do something, and B, you know, you have time on your hands. You know, you're not, you know, if you're not working or if you're working at home, it's a lot easier to, you know, to participate yeah. in these things. So, so, you know, sometimes you need a perfect people, storm. Yeah. This might be it. Yeah, people who would have wanted to participate in the past who would have been stuck at work or something like that, like, they they, they can. Um yep. And, and and like you said, when we've we've all been stuck at home for an extended period in a very strange time, and you do start to uh, you know think more about what's important, what's what's not important, you know what what are you willing to to stand up for? Um, I I think it's been amazing to see the support from beyond the U.S. that e- even corporate FIFA coming out and saying you know the the Americans playing in Bundesliga who are wearing, uh, you know, the George Floyd armbands, they should be applauded and not punished, you know, cause Bundesliga had, had considered that. And just that there's just a, a worldwide response to it. Um, yeah, and, and I think, it sim- makes, go ahead. I was just going to say what it makes me think about from the women's soccer perspective was that, not only was Megan Rapinoe alone in the women's soccer world, she was pretty much alone in the entire white world in terms of being willing in 2016 to make that stand with Colin Kaepernick and say, look, I'm with you. You know, I'm not, I might not be, you know, I might not be living it through your eyes, but I'm with you here. And yeah, some teammates maybe were supportive or put their hand on his shoulder while he was kneeling. But, you know, you know, I, it's well known my affinity for Megan Rapinoe's ability to, you know, to, um, you know, to handle her off the field life. But I think that, and she did not get, you know, that was not very well received when she did it in the soccer world. In right. 2016. Right. You know, that, that should be noted. And now I think, you know, almost four years later, that would be, maybe even considered mundane this week, right? Right. I mean, it's hard to go back to that, that fall and remember that, you know, the U S had just been eliminated in the quarterfinals of the Olympics. Um, You know, hope solo had been, you know, unceremoniously cut from the team. Um, You had the, the, the dust up <laughs> the Washington spirit, which was already known right. at the time. That was right. That was, to be, right. That was after to, the to, kneeling business, but yeah. Yeah. Or as a right. result of the kneeling. 
Yeah, a result of her taking a knee that, you know, they decided when they were hosting the rain that they would uh, start the anthem, what, like an hour before the game started so that she wouldn't think, be able to I think there take been a, a knee. Rain de- I think there had been a rain delay, and they kind of used that as like, you know, because after the rain delay, sometimes you kind of rush through things. So don't quote me. On, I was at a No, no, no. I, I remember some of the Spirit Squadron saying as they were walking up to the stadium – they heard the anthem and were really confused. Okay, so maybe it's maybe it's coincidental then, or or maybe I have it wrong. I know I was at I was at your sack broadcasting. Well, night, and, so and I of wasn't course, able to follow it, but and of course, we always equate rain delay with games at Maryland Soccerplex. So or I think your, that's, or a natural, that's a natural. Yeah, but you know, response. don't forget if you you know the end of that year. You know, if I told you at the end of 2016, hey, Megan Rapinoe's not going to get another cycle because she had come off the ACL. She didn't play very well. And I guess right. she only played in the one game in the Olympics. So that might not be well, fair. She, but, wasn't you know, fully, she, was, she wasn't fully recovered. Yeah, She was not fully recovered, but she got kind of dropped from the team after the kneeling for a while. Like there was a time where it did not look like she would be part of the 2019 World Cup. And look at that tournament is the Megan Rapinoe World Cup, whether you're from America or not. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, no way to avoid that. that. Was, but the the idea that she was willing to put herself out there in that moment looks all the more extraordinary today than I think it did when it happened. And then as as we enter June, um, and you know, to see this in the eighth year of NWSL, that all the clubs are fully embracing Pride. Not it, it doesn't seem like it's just like okay, we have some Nike shirts that we're going to wear, but that, that they get that it, it's a very important thing to a large part of, uh, you know, their fan group um, and to their players. So it's, it's, it's really an event, right? It's, um, it's, it's a shame that, you know, people aren't, that these clubs aren't getting to have home games because I'm sure they all had a lot of great stuff planned. Um, but it's just so... It's so different from just seven years ago when the, the league kicked off, you know, in, in, in 2013. That, I don't even think in 2013 that it was as widely accepted that there were so many uh, gay players in the NWSL. And if you've been around as long as you and I have and go back to the other two leagues, it was not, um, it was not, not talked about. That, it was not talked about. That's not to say that, you know, there wasn't awareness within inner circles. Yeah. But it really right. was not something. Even at the beginning of the NWSL, I feel like it was not talked about. And I'm, you know, I've thought about what, if anything, kind of triggered that change. And nothing specific has come to mind. But I think even from 2013 to now, the level of general acceptance has risen leaps and bounds. Well, and as 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 big name players have come out, or as we saw at the end of the 2015 Women's World Cup final, you know. Abby goes to the stands and kisses her then wife, you know, Sarah Huffman. And then yep. after the 2019 final, it's like, it wasn't just one player, right? You know, you, you saw like, it's, it's just, it's more and more um, accepted. So it's just, right. It's, and I, I think acceptance yeah. might be the wrong word too. Just maybe acknowledgement, you know, Embraced. Just something that, right. It was something that was more like an insider thing as opposed to yeah. well, well known and, and talked about. Yeah. So we've moved from acknowledgement to acceptance, to it feels like it's just being more and more embraced. Um, yeah. All right. So that's it for our little political talk because I don't, you know, I don't do that very often. But uh, 
So we're going to move on to the actual sports talk. Um, and so, Dan, I want to get your thoughts on NWSL as the first American pro sports league to return to action. Oh, I actually, I, um, all right, let me take this from a couple of different perspectives. Or is NBA um, going to swoop in and, and, and beat NWSL? No, they're actually, the, the NBA is actually going to ride the NWSL's coattails because they are, I think it's July 31st is going to be their first game. So that's five days after the NWSL rolls out the red carpet. Oh, nice. You know, gets uh, gets every, everybody prepared for the return of live sports. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think it's great that the NWSL has figured out a way to come back and play some games and not have a completely lost 2020 you know, it's not necessarily set in stone that this will be the only soccer of the year, but it is at the moment the only soccer we're going to get in terms of uh, that league. Uh, you know, is it go- you know the, the notion that they're going to get a lot of pull from being the first league back. I don't know if I buy it. I really don't know if I buy it. Um, you know, it can't hurt, but I, I don't know that because I mean, let's. Let's say, for argument's sake, they they kick off this tournament on June 27. Let's say everybody gets really into it, and it's like another Women's World Cup, and you know people are just mad about NWSL. If all the sports that are supposed to happen from the time that the NBA comes back through like November, December, actually happen, it will be the craziest fall sports calendar ever <laughs> and people will be like what the heck was women's i mean seriously you got the masters got pushed back you know the u.s open golf tournament the indy 500 um you know the the triple crown horse races all got pushed back yeah you know possibly the french open if they can pull that off you know the formula one season is going to go along i mean there's just so many different sports that are going to be packed into the fall that i think not being i think not being in that space will offset anything they get in June, but I, you know, it's not a bad thing if they can get this done and get it done relatively safely, it'll be a good thing. And then it won't be a, you know, when you go back through the history of the league, it won't be a completely lost 2020 with a blank and maybe they get another tournament in, in the fall. I don't know, but, um, you know, this is, this, this is the sort of thing that leagues and teams are not going to recover from from a long time. And it would be a shame if the, yeah. reason the, if the reason the courage run stopped was because of this. You know, we've all been thinking like expansion would blow them up. It would be a shame if, you know, a pandemic related stoppage would be what actually blows them up. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. Well, I, it, doing the tournament this summer, you know, with nothing else going on, it, it reminds me so much of, in a way, 1999 Women's World Cup where the beauty of most of the women's world cup tournaments when they have fallen in the summer is, you know, that's the least crowded time in, in the sports schedule, right? Like fall is fall is generally the toughest because you've got college going at the same time, you know? Um, So not only is it falling in that window, but seriously, nothing else is going on. It's not a lighter schedule. Nothing else is going on. I don't know you know, what momentum they'll be able to carry from that. But I think uh, very similar to a World Cup where the spotlight's on this, all games are easily accessible worldwide, and nothing else is going on. Just the exposure, the introduction of these players, these teams, this league to people who 
you know, haven't seen it before, um, that could be that could be really, you know, valuable. And, and maybe maybe in one some of ways the things be- that, that I think is is going to help is is that like we saw with the coverage of the draw, the blind draw for the tournament on on CBS Sports HQ or or whatever, you know, it's called. It's like wow, there's actually this entity that owns it, right? That that is committed to it and is trying to give it more more coverage, right? And we haven't we haven't really had that before, right? And like maybe, Lifetime maybe. didn't have a mechanism for that. And maybe in some ways this will actually be more beneficial than a World Cup. You know, obviously not. You're going to get a fraction of the amount of eyeballs on it, even if, you know, it maxes out. But for an opportunity to actually showcase the teams and realize that there are more than 23 players that make this thing go and that maybe somebody can say, you know, I really liked watching the Utah Royals. I can't wait to see them play again as opposed to, you know, maybe being disappointed that Becky Sauerbrunn's on one team and – uh, you know, Carly Lloyd's on a different right. team to actually see the teams in action. Maybe that'll stick because I think there's a little bit of a hard time sometimes for the, you know, the new sort of fans to kind of make the jump from the national team into the league setting. I, I also, the other thing I question is, and I, I'm curious what you think about this actually, is how long do you think fans are going to love watching games with no fans, because I think it's going to be a novelty. And <laughs> you, you put any sport on right now, I'm going to watch it. But I think it's going to get weird. Like, do I want to watch two months of NBA playoffs in front of empty stands? Okay, well, let's be real, Dan. How many years of Andy Brussel did we watch with most of the games with really sparse okay. crowds? See, I, you know, I have the cranky reputation. <laughs> I didn't want to go there. Um, I don't. I don't it, like going there either. But we are in very different times. So, but, but okay. don't we agree? Okay, how, about, like, not... how about this angle? How about this angle? For once, no one can complain that uh, those are all the fans you can get for your game. Yes, yeah, so right? that's like, definitely true. <laughs> well, it'll hey, be it looked, even looked, across the board. <laughs> looked like less on television. I'm not saying they shouldn't do it. They 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 should obviously do it. But don't we all agree that if you flipped on a weird. game? If you flip on a game and it's in Portland, that game gets instant. Um, what am I? What's the word I'm looking for? Credibility, as opposed to if you put on a game in one of the venues that is on the other end of the spectrum yeah. from Portland, yeah. and you are hearing players yell "man on" or yeah. whatever, you know, and oh, you're not well, going to get that. Even the Portland game last summer, I think it was the Houston at Portland 5-0 game where I think that was the one where we had some audio problem coming, like the audio from Portland was having a problem. So you couldn't hear the crowd noise at Portland. You know the crowd's there, right? So it, it was so strange to be calling that game. Like, I know this stadium has 15, 16, 17,000 people right now. Why aren't we... Why aren't we hearing them? Well, it and it, it also, is very strange. There was also that Timber Sounders game that I think was in Portland, but I'm not sure where they actually the thing the uh, the supporter groups agreed to do like 20 minutes of silence. This was had to do with the uh, the controversy over the Antifa tifos, and they uh-huh. actually played like 20 or 30 minutes, and nobody in the stands made a noise, and that was legitimate. Like they didn't cheer. Wow, very weird. That's and it was really then, then then when it you know when they started kicking in and it was like all right now you know this is this is back to normal now. 
Well, and I I also think like, you know, obviously you don't want, you know, you're not going to open these up to fans. However, I think it would be wise to get maybe 10 drummers and you space them, you know, the, the, these, these stadiums are big. What Zion's bank is, well, maybe 5,000. So you space out 10 people <laughs> with the drums. So at least idea. you've got like, you know, like, like something so that there's rhythm and some noise without it having to be fake crowd noise. And it maybe covers up a little bit of the yelling and like, yeah, I mean, I, that that's, that's going to be tough, but at least it's, it's equal throughout. Um, and, and I would have to imagine it's going to be better than watching the world cup in 2010 where the Vuvuzelas were just so annoying. You know, I didn't mind them as much as most people did. <laughs> I didn't, but I do remember someone, <laughs> one of my editors calling me and saying, I can hear the Vuvuzelas over the phone. Turn that down. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess, and, and look, I am not at all criticizing the no fans. I like, obviously that's well, the way to you, do it. I'm you, just, you can't, it's just going to be weird. I'm just wondering yeah. if, you know, and I think it's probably, this is one area where maybe other leagues do get affected, but I do wonder if halfway through, the NBA playoffs, you're going to be seeing a story that says, you know, was it the right move to go with our, or our, you know, our TV fans being turned off by no fans in the stand. Then we'll see yeah. how they handle, you know, like you said, piped in crowd noise or, you know, cardboard cutouts or whatever is going to happen, but we'll see. It'll be interesting. All right. Well, let's take a short break and then we'll come back and we'll talk about the live draw on CBS Sports, the odds that they presented and, uh, you know, what we think of the matchups. Time for a little gensplaining. Today, the tiebreakers for the NWSL Challenge Cup standings. And, of course, I am assuming uh, that they'll follow normal international soccer tournament tiebreaker rules. Uh, Tiebreakers have not been officially announced. A lot of the the official rules for the tournament have not been announced. So making some assumptions in this. So generally in soccer tournament standings, um, you know, we all know win earns you three points, tie earns you one point, games in the first round can end in a tie. All that, you know, should be true for the NFL Challenge Cup. No first round games, you know, go to extra time. Now in the Challenge Cup, each team will play four matches in the first round. And the standings after the first round will determine which eight teams go on to the knockout round and which one team goes home. There's a good chance the tiebreakers will be needed to sort out the final standings, not just to determine the one team that goes home, but also who plays whom in the knockout stage. Uh, those standings will determine uh, the matchups. So say that both Utah and Washington finish the first round tied with the same number of points. How do they determine who gets the higher seed in the knockout round? Now, the first tiebreaker in international tournament play is usually goal differential or goal difference, meaning literally the difference between the number of goals you scored and the number of goals you conceded. At the end of the 2019 season, Utah and Washington were tied in the final standings with 34 points. But Washington had a goal differential of plus five, meaning you know they had scored 30 goals, conceded just 25, so plus five, while Utah had a goal differential of zero. They had scored 25 goals and conceded 25 goals. 
So Washington ended up in fifth place and Utah in sixth. Now, if teams have the same number of points in the standings and also the same goal differential, the next tiebreaker used is usually total goals scored. And if teams in question have also scored the same number of goals, then the next tiebreaker in tournament play is usually the head-to-head result. Now, in the Challenge Cup, however, head-to-head might not be a helpful tiebreaker since not all teams will face each other in the first round. So possible tiebreakers after head-to-head result could be number of yellow cards earned in the first round with the team earning the fewer the fewest uh, yellow cards having the advantage. Um, That's usually called fair play points. Uh, The league could also choose to use the 2019 regular season standings as a tiebreaker. So if teams are tied on everything else, whoever finished higher in 2019 gets the higher seed. And if absolutely necessary, they could go to a coin toss. Um, That actually happens sometimes, very rarely, but it does happen. So, hope that is helpful to understand that the tiebreakers, um, it could get tricky, uh, you know, with just four games played and, and not everybody playing each other. Uh, but I am building uh, an Excel spreadsheet where you'll be able to plug in the scores and the standings will be calculated automatically. So hopefully that'll help. Um, and be sure to keep an eye on NWSLsoccer.com for the official tournament rules. We should be seeing them soon. All right, back for round two with Dan Laletta of Equalizer Soccer. Dan, I have to get your thoughts on on what it was like to watch that blind draw uh, for the NWSL Challenge Cup on CBS Sports. That was it was a little strange. I wasn't clear on what the format was. I'm not sure how blind that draw was, but uh, it was kind of well, nice to have such extended coverage of NWSL, even though it wasn't making sense. Extended coverage. You know, it was like, wow, they're still talking about end of your cell. They're still talking about end of your cell. <laughs> the word that comes to mind for me is weird. Um, yeah. Because like you said, we didn't really know what the format was. You know, they had the first round of games up, but not the, well, I guess the first and the a half, schedule. but not the not And And the to remainder. be fair, a lot of this is coming together, you know, Day Absolutely. by day, so it's not like they got to plan this weeks in advance. Absolutely. But think about what, you know, if I talk to you about, like, soccer, I don't know, for lack of a better word, soccer corruption, like in terms of on-field, what is the first thing that comes to mind? World Cup draws. And people always think <laughs> there's something going on with the World Cup draw. And in the 2015 Women's World Cup, they didn't rig any of the matchups, but they did decide at the last minute or they maybe they just let on at the last minute that they would send the seeds to the locations that they wanted to send them they also rigged one of the seeds uh by fifa ranking right, sweden should correct. have been one of right. the seeded teams and they sw- they swapped Bra- to make Bra- it brazil so, and sweden yeah. i think yeah right? brazil and got switched yeah. and of course sweden wound up with the u.s because that's i think that's uh contractually mandated in the women's world cup contract <laughs> U.S. has to play Sweden at some point. Um, But, you know, and it takes a couple of hours for the rest of the schedule to come out. And then, oh, by the way, we got thorns and rain 
for the last match day for both of those teams. I don't know. It you know what I, I don't I'm not accusing anybody of anything, but it did they didn't they didn't make it look good. Let's put it that way. You well, know, I, they, I don't Yeah. I don't mind in, in, especially in a situation like this with some of the matchups being set, right? Cause I, but, but I'd rather they'd be like, okay, we're kicking off the tournament with the defending champ playing the only other team that's won multiple titles. Right. right? Like, the only like team to win, those are the only two teams to win any trophy in the last four years. Yeah. They yeah. Like, 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 like that's, that's natural. I, I do like that they didn't, um, do groups right that it was just hey everybody's going to get four games right it's going to be uneven but that's the way it is but at least you get four games against four different opponents um you've got good breaks between game days and of course no one's traveling so it's you know it's as fair as you can possibly make it for a nine team league right uh well, the only thing they so. could have done here that to make it a little bit more fair and i think it was a little misleading that they were talking about seeds because yeah. you know seeds imply that there's some benefit to being a higher yeah. seed it's and not really seeding was it, was no just, it was just like team number one right. team number which two, is fine it's like three. a blind tennis like the blind it's like the guts of the blind tennis draw but there are seeds in the right. tennis draw and those seeds do get an advantage what they could have done it was, that would have, I think, made it interesting is, you know, Orlando has this schedule where they play on the 27th, then they play again on July 1st, then they play again on the 5th, and they play again on the 9th. So they don't ever get a time where they have the week in between games. Why not make the courage go through that schedule? Forget the opponents. Why not have make, place the courage first in the, those three or four games? So make the best team have the hardest road, just very simply in terms of the rest factor, because I think every other team has a point where they get a full um, week off. Maybe the, the dash an exception because the dash don't play in that first. The, 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 da- the dash are the exception because they start because they don't play the right. first match. Okay, day. so first, fifth, ninth, thirteenth. Yeah. So then why not put the red stars or the thorns as a number two seed into that? The second one. And even yeah. within the context of that, you could have you could have a blind draw to see if they're going to wind up playing the courage or not. So, you know, that's one thing they could have done here, uh, because I do. I think Orlando is really up against it. If you look at the matchups and yeah. the fact that they, you know, weren't very good. And, you know, honestly, I think a lot of teams had an off season of transition and a four game run is not easy to kind of figure out. You know, when you, you know, haven't been, so you haven't been training as a group. Um, thankfully, they're all going to have, you know, by the time the tournament kicks off, almost a, a month of, of training, and and obviously with little distraction from other things, right? Like, um, they're all they're all kind of doing these intensive camps together. <laughs> I was really pleased to see that they they even posted odds for the tournament. Um, you know treating it like a real sport but at the same time i was amused that i was like okay well this is just you're just putting it in standings order from last season because of course you know there's not a lot of data out there uh on on these teams um but what those odds don't tell you is kind of strength of returning roster where you look at north carolina's roster it's almost the exact same roster as as last year right um with just you know, a couple of differences with obviously O'Reilly retiring, Matthias coming back from 
injury, as opposed to Chicago Red Stars, you know, big change losing Samantha Kerr, trading for other players, you know, Dash traded a lot. Orlando has signed a lot of new players, a lot of movement with the rain, a lot of movement with the thorns, right? So um, I think it's really hard, other than Carolina, to gauge how how teams are going to fall because there's there's been a lot of change. We also have, you know, the coaching change of Craig Carrington coming in uh, as head coach yep. of Utah Royals, right? You know, and them trading away Becky Sauerbrunn. So I don't know. What what were your thoughts on the odds or just – or that they had odds? Well, I think it's ironic that Becky Sauerbrunn asked for a trade to Portland and now will have to spend her entire season in Utah without leaving for a month. I think that's <laughs> I think that's kind of some bizarre irony there. Now, you know, look, I think there's a school of thought, and I don't disagree with it, that in order to really firmly make it, you've got to get the attention of betters and gamblers. And I don't know if this will do it, but it's certainly a start because, um, you know, let's be honest, people like to bet on sports. And if you have a reason to bet and a method to bet and actual odds, then that's going to increase attention in the game. And, you know, I've been around some very serious sports bettors and they watch sports through a different lens than you and I do. You know, I've been in places where, you know, there are two NFL games and they want to watch the game that's 24-10, not the game that's 17-17 because they're the spread or the over-under. I'm like, that's crazy. I just want to see who wins the games. But, you know, it. It is not a you know it's not a bad way to think if you can get people to start betting on these games. Now I don't know if these are just odds that were, I mean they were you know they're actually they are put out they were put out by an actual place that you know it, it would accept sports betting. So I think it would be it would be wonderful. And you're right, you know you need to get it down to where you know you're actually having things like oh well Mallory Pugh gets traded to Sky Blue, so their odds drop and the spirits odds go up but you know right. it's certainly a, a good start and i and i actually think if you look at this league and you've mentioned all i think after the courage i would say washington is the next team in line in terms of stability doesn't mean they're the yes. second best but they're the second most stable because i think losing pew is not as big a deal as it seems like if she didn't play a whole lot but you know, I think this is very much, are the Cutters just going to run over this whole tournament or are they going to get off to a slow start or maybe just not hit their stride or somebody going to figure it out? Because like you said, right back is a slight issue for them, maybe a big issue, but they're so good everywhere else. According to Paul Riley, everybody's on board and I'm sure he'll figure out a way to make them think that they're up against it. He probably would have liked the schedule I just proposed because it would have made them seem like they're even more <laughs> underdogs. But, you know, to me, one angle to take here is, you know, are the Cutters just going to run away with this thing? You know, and three knockout games is harder than two, for sure. And they won't have home field advantage. But, um, you know, that but, yeah, the gambling thing, I think, is something that I don't know, maybe we're hesitant to talk about it as much as we should. But I, I say bring it on. Yeah, it's it, it's new. It, it, it's different. And to me, it's it's another signpost of, hey, this is a sport. We're treating it like a sport. Um, I, I do wonder how it'll be, you know, for clubs to be in the same place for, you know, more than a month um, playing these games. You know, the, the the two finalists will end up playing seven games and in, in basically a month in front of no fans. 
you know, it's it's like, I might point out. Yeah. Well that, yeah. Like I asked James Clarkson about that, uh, you know, right after the tournament was announced and, you know, he said, you know, that they have to kind of plan for that because normally when they go to Utah, they go in and out so quickly, they don't really have to do anything to adjust to altitude. Right. But if you're going to be there, you know, an, an extended period. Um, but I, fe- I feel like this tournament is, I know the, the playing field has been leveled in many ways where everyone's been through this very strange, difficult, unprecedented time, right? Uh, extended time, not being able to train together. Um, you know, some players not in market, uh, you know, the, the roster changes. Okay. You're not going to have fans in the stadium. Um, and, and even like, we know that even the Utah players, they won't be able to stay at home, right? They'll need to be, I'm assuming they're, they're in that hotel along with all the others, right? You're kind of keeping them in a, in a bubble. So it's not like anybody has the, Oh, I get to relax at home thing. And I think it's also important to realize that everybody is going to react differently. Kind of, I always say this heading into a world cup, when you go to a world cup, you know, that's a life changing experience, win or lose. And everybody comes out of that differently. And it's hard to go back into a season after that and just pick up where you left off. And I remember even, you know, Paul Riley saying, Hey, you know, the national team players came back and they celebrated a bit. Now it's time to kind of, you know, get back, get back, the business and get ready for the season so you know there's no telling you know who comes in raring to go who comes in you know with their mind elsewhere uh you know maybe somebody you know has sick relatives or, or whatnot and you know and everyone's probably you know affected differently by the you know by the fallout from the george floyd stuff in minneapolis so uh yeah i think there'll be a big mental component to this you know that's a lot harder to handicap obviously than than just looking at rosters and talent, but it's definitely a factor. And we don't even know yet, um, you know, which players, national team or otherwise, will be opting out of the of the tournament. You know, we heard through a Farad Benstidi quote coming out of France that Rapino is opting out, though we haven't seen her say that or any official statement from from the league. So obviously, you know, rosters could be affected by that. I think, I think Neil Morris uh, who covers North Carolina, I think he tweeted that all, all the North Carolina national teamers are planning to participate, but yeah, one of the things, yeah, one of the things that, you know, we often say about NWSL is, you know, every game is competitive, you know, even the season where sky blue was at the bottom all season, they were in every game, right? Like every game is exciting to watch. And here is a situation where it's like, it's even more true if that's possible that uh, so many things have been the, the normal way of things has been upended so much that you can't necessarily predict how each team you know, is going to react. Um, and, and I like that uh, only one team being eliminated and, you know, going to having quarterfinal, semifinal, final, right? Like it, it, it allows even more space for, you know, that upstart to maybe knock off the team that you thought would, you know, make it through. Um, but looking at these matchups, uh, you know, just, just for the first round of games, the ones that they actually showed on the graphic for the, for the, the blind draw on CBS, 
which ones jumped out as you? It was like, oh, the you know, that's a game that I would tell people you have to watch this game. Um, is it? Would it be weird to say there are no games like that right now? I'm, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm not joking. I think there's a little bit. I think we're in a bit of a transition time in the league. This is not because we haven't played in a while or because it's a it's a short you know term tournament. I just don't think there are any must-watch games right now. The game that I probably would have wanted to see most would be Sky Blue Washington because I think, you know, Mal Pugh be, being traded from Washington to Sky Blue would have been interesting. They don't meet in the preliminary round. Obviously, Courage Thorns, you know, played in a couple of finals and they've had some very explosive games over the years. And, um, you know, as I said, they're the only teams to win trophies in the last four years. Obviously, that July 12th, Thorns and Rain, although that's the one game, you know, is that the game where you watch it in, in an empty stadium in Utah and you're like, eh, well, I guess it really does take the fans to make this game into an actual rivalry. But, you know, Chicago's a lot different. You know, Orlando's going to be different. You know, I, 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 and I'm not saying that you shouldn't watch. I think you should watch all the games, but there's really – Honestly, at this point in time, I think this is kind of almost like a reset season uh, for teams and rivalries and would have been even in a full season. So that's my two cents there. So but I'll tell you, I'll, what, I what think, team do you think is going to surprise us? I think Sky Blue, actually. It's funny because Sky. everyone was talking up Sky Blue for weeks. Like, you know, they're going to be so good. They're going to be in the playoffs. And I was like, maybe we need to slow down. On Sky Blue, but let's look at their schedule. They start off against the rain, right? So Freya Coombe is a coach that needs to prove that she can coach at this level. She has never really been a head coach anywhere before. But lo and behold, she opens against the rain. We just found out no Megan Rapino. And if you read that Ben Stiddy statement, by the way, um, I'm sure part of it is that, you know, he is, you know, doesn't speak English isn't his first language, but that's not necessarily the statement that maybe the rain players or even Megan Rapino would want to read. But anyway, all of a sudden Coombe has more experience in this league as a head coach than the coach he's going up against in that first game. After that, they play the dash. You know, those are two teams that since the dash have been in the league, neither them nor sky blue have been in the playoffs. So that's probably an open matchup. Then Orlando who, was by far the worst team in the league in 2019. I think made some pretty sound and solid improvements over the offseason. But, you know, three games in, a lot of rookies, a lot of youth, not going to be easy. And then the hope is by the time you get to the Red Stars on July 13th that you've got enough points to get through, which isn't going to be many. So I think Sky Blue is a team that could surprise. And on the flip side, I think Orlando is the team that is – most up against it because they've got Red Stars, Thorns, Courage, and then that Sky Blue game, but all on short rest. Yeah, I mean, when I started making a list of the of the matchups and, you know, what <laughs> trying to make a list of each one, like what's the most significant game in those teams' histories, like it was a little overwhelming, right? Like there, there's a lot of history there. Some matchups will be more interesting than others, but I, but I keep coming back to it. it's like it's going to be so hard to call when it's been such a strange training time for people. We've seen tremendous roster turnover for 
most of the clubs, not all of the clubs. Um, and and I still like I want to reserve judgment until we see what those those final rosters are, right? Yeah, for sure. And you know, this is also the sort of thing where one little tweak and you're probably done for the tournament. You know, you're, this is not a scenario where teams are going to quote get healthy as the season goes on. <laughs> yeah, which I guess is why they get to take 28 players. Yeah, and they should because you can't just call up players randomly. You've got to have them. Yeah, yeah. Right there and available. Well, you know, think about it. This is this is the sta- this is the same length as the World Cup. You get to take 23, right? So here they get to take 28. You know, that's interesting you mentioned the World Cup because, you know, another thing about Sky Blue is that is there a player ever in the history of soccer that is kind of more comfortable in the World Cup format than Carly Lloyd, right? But at the same time, (laughs) I also look at this as completely different from a World Cup in the sense that the World Cup is the culmination, in theory, of four years to get ready for that tournament. It's supposed to be your completed product over four years. These are teams that in some cases have never played for their coach. In some places, uh, in some instances have never played with, you know, some of their three or four best players. You know, the Dash just traded their two most uh, capped players in their history. Uh You know, the Thorns, as you mentioned, you know, they moved out Sonnet. They moved out, um, you know, the Australian players. They moved out Midge Purse. So it's very different because this is almost like, you know, you're trying to gel real quick. Where at the World Cup, you're supposed to have it figured out right in time for that. That's not how these teams were built. So so I know you don't want me to ask you this. I'm going to ask it anyway. So who's the one team that's going to be eliminated? Oh, I can't make that kind of prediction. Can I it's say kind the of, courage? It's, it's funny. Goes? It's like it's harsh and it's not where it's like, hey, eight teams advance, but that means one person. It's like, yeah, sorry. It's like Survivor and you're the first one voted off. Sorry. Yeah, or when they call up 25 players for a 23-woman um, roster for a friendly. Can I say the courage just to give Paul Riley an excuse to tell the Yes, team you can say the courage just that, to give Paul Riley an excuse. Be any good. I mean, look, I think Orlando's <laughs> got it the toughest considering – um, the way the schedule goes, but I'm not ready to predict it. Because honestly, I mean, if you win a game, I think you're going to get through, right? I, I don't, I don't see all nine teams winning. Do you? Yeah. Like, right? No. I mean, if you get three points, don't you think that's good enough to get through? Like, maybe on a tiebreaker, if you get four points, you're for sure going through. Well, I, I've been building a spreadsheet, which, of course, I'll eventually share with everybody once I get it working right, where you can plug in the scores and it automatically does the standings. And it's it's just been fascinating. It's like, you know, four games is just enough to make it really complicated, right? We're used to the World Cup format of, you know, three games. You only, you only have three opponents right here. It's like you're playing four games, but you're competing against eight other people. So, Yeah. It could. So what you're you know, telling me is one we're going to get down to the last. We're going to get down to the last day. We're going to be emailing the league about tiebreaker scenarios, and nobody's going to know the answer. Is that what you're telling me is going to happen? No, I'm not saying no one's going to know the tiebreaker scenarios. I'm going to say my spreadsheet will tell you the tiebreaker scenarios. All right, that's, that's <laughs> under a lot of pressure. Can I say one other one other thing though? Can we make this uh-huh. the start of where we do this every year? I mean, obviously not a month. 
in Utah. And I think, honestly, you know, I think the suggestion that they have a league cup is kind of weird because there's not enough teams. You don't want to just keep playing other games that count differently. But can we, can this be the start of what becomes an open cup? I know U.S. soccer technically has to get involved for that because I've always thought that the start of an open cup would be to take four or eight teams and go to different locations and maybe play like a Thursday, Sunday scenario. Um, but why not figure out a way to get something like this into the calendar every year? And that'll well, make it less awkward that, when we try to note, do the stats too. On that note, you know, let me let me throw in, uh, you know, this fall since you know we need to get into the mix, and who knows if if we'll have regularly play. I'm thinking we need to have a Copa Norte Americano where it's two NWSL teams and two teams from Liga MX that come to Houston and and have a round robin tournament. Let's do it. Are you opening up your house? All right. Media? Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay, I'm there. You can almost walk to the stadium from here. There you go. Hey, but you can't go to the stadium anywhere. So, yeah, we'll just set up some big uh, screens on the patio and, you know. Well, I thought Texas was 20, 25% capacity for live sporting events. Right, but we haven't scheduled any live sporting events, so oh, I don't well, know. We're, schedule, we're scheduling this one. Okay, we'll we'll say it happens. So, yeah. So let's see if that's twenty five percent of twenty two. What is that? Fifty five hundred people can go, which is the average attendance for Dash. See, it's perfect. There you go. So the Dash have been planning ahead all this time. <laughs> we were social distancing, and we just didn't realize it. On that yeah, note. It- before I get really punchy and say some really weird things, let's wrap this up. Um, any last thoughts on on this tournament before I cut um, you off forever, Dan? You know, as a as a straight fan, very mixed feelings about it um, because I want to obviously see soccer. Straight meaning heterosexual or just What's that? direct fan? <laughs> as a straight fan? <laughs> yes. Exactly. Um, I have very mixed feelings about it. I want to see soccer. I think the format is a little weird and a little forced because they're trying to get it into a certain um, a certain window. You know, what I really want is I want is first of all, I want there to be extra time, and I'm not. I haven't been able to figure out if there's going to be extra time in the knockouts. I wouldn't be surprised if there isn't I what I want to see here I, I want to get to the quarterfinals and knockout games and have them be World Cup intensity and maybe that's impossible to be full World Cup intensity in the empty stadiums but I want to see that the players are into this and I want to see that it matters and I want to see the teams that lose be devastated I want to see the teams that advance really be thrilled about it and um I want to see also if the Dash get or not that one team that gets left out, do they just play for penalties and assume Jane Campbell, you know, they play like nine in the back and just assume Campbell stops all the penalties when they get that far. I mean, I, I feel like the players are going to be so competitive that, uh, I mean, what we've seen is they've been able to start training again is how much they, they've missed it, right? Like they wouldn't be doing this as a job if they weren't really into the competition part yeah, and true. even if you have even if even if you have players opting out national team or, or, or otherwise there's still when you think of all the soccer that got eliminated uh uws wpsl uh seasons cut short you know all the trialists in march kind of lost their shot to you know get get on teams that i i think it's still going to be 
uber competitive. But you, you know, I Dan, like to thanks make again for with, oh, one more thing. Okay, one more thing. Well, you know, I like to make weird sports comparisons. You do. So you do. So, so go ahead. So, so let's do golf now. When golf got in okay. the Olympics in, in 2016, a lot of top golfers, men and women, didn't go. And some of them cited Zika and some of them cited, you know, it's just, it's it's a sport that already has its established calendar and, and big events. But the people who went there and played reported back that it was just the most unbelievable experience they ever had. So I hope that the experience for these players is so good that Megan Rapino and whoever else decides not to go is sitting there thinking, you know what, I should have been there, and that we don't. And by the time it's over, we don't even care that there's no Megan Rapino because the product is so good and the competition is so good. Nice way to end it, Dan. I like that. Well, thanks again for taking the time to chat with me, as you always do. And uh, plenty of it you didn't make days. any prediction. You didn't make any big predictions, so we can't hold you to them later. But uh, I'm exactly. sure you and I will be talking more about the tournament later. We've got plenty of time on my hands, so. All right, time to wrap it up with the back four. We are less than three weeks away from the start of the NWSL Challenge Cup. Opening games will be played on June 27th. One of them will air live on CBS, and that will mark the first time ever that a women's pro soccer game airs on national broadcast TV in the USA. Uh, Not cable, not regional TV. The championship match will also air on CBS in late July. All the other games will air on CBS All Access in the USA and via Twitch internationally. And if you need to get caught up on all the NMSL rosters before the tournament, be sure to check out the Keeper Notes Google Sheet of Rosters by Club. It's accessible from the Woso Nerd Links page at keepernotes.com, a lot, along with a lot of other Woso data. And you should also check out the store link. I've been adding some, uh, I wouldn't say exclusive, but rare and unusual uh, Woso items for sale. Also, at the end of this month, we'll know the host country or countries for the 2023 Women's World Cup. You can view all the bid proposals. uh, They're very pretty and very thorough by going to the Wikipedia page for the 2023 Women's World Cup. The four bids still in contention are from Japan, Colombia, Brazil, and a joint bid from Australia and New Zealand. And last... um, I've said it before, but I want to keep reminding people the first ever Houston Dash Almanac is out. If you want to buy your own copy or if you want to buy the Keeper Notes NWSL Almanac, which covers the entire league's history, 2013 to 2019, you can purchase one at KeeperNotes.com, either print or PDF or both. Just click on store when you go to the website. And the next Almanac I'm working on will be one for the North Carolina Courage. All right, that's it for this episode of the Mixed Zone Women's Soccer Podcast. Want to thank IcarusFC.com and Roughneck Scarves for being sponsors. Want to thank all the listeners uh, who have sent me feedback or asked questions or shared this with friends or tweeted about it. Um, Most of all, want to thank the Beautiful Game Network for hosting and for Sean, my producer, for putting this all together. But now she's everybody's girl.